When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mannequin Chill is back. Just getting started on week eight. And this week we are going to get right back in the groove of talking about hammers and non-hammers, which we have now termed landmines we didn't come up with it but it yeah, was used like on the that. stream you don't like landmines well, like what's that. better that's what's a better term that's not for the opposite of a hammer like the opposite of a hammer I, would be a uh pillow right i agree well what is the but, opposite word of a hammer that we're going to use it's hammers and what not landmine shame pillows. what is it you're on I the like spot pillows 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 we will go with it i no, have no, no clue no, how no. you got it's, pillow it's hammers hammers and those balloon hammers. Like they both look like hammers, but one's only really a hammer. You rubber know, mallets. Rubber mallets. There you go. Not even rubber. Like it's got to be the blow up ones because rubber mallets are hard. If it's hard, vulcanized rubber could kill someone. So this is going to be the hammers and blow up mallet show. We're going to roll with that. Yep. All right. So we're going to talk hammers and I, I can't even continue to say blow up mallets, but we're going to go hammers. And blow up mallets, we're going to talk about a couple players for each of us that we can continue to go forward with buying or selling or just considering to be hammers or blow up mallets for the rest of the season based on their current keep trade cut value and based on their current production. So we'll just start by giving a loose definition of both. And let's start with the easy one, Shane, because you've used the term thousands of times since we've started the show. How do you define a hammer? We haven't really even ironed out exactly what a hammer is because I was testing you before the show. Shane, is this guy a hammer? Yeah, and then we look up his numbers or we look up his usage. I don't know. Maybe that's a little shaky, but what is your definition of a hammer? Well, one thing, because I know that people like things in neat little boxes. Um, so I'll, after this show, I'm going to have to actually hammer out uh, an analytical uh, uh, hammer. But the easy short thing that pops in my head and where it came from, I used to say, I want to beat you in the face with a sledgehammer, right? That's what I wanted to do to my opponents in fantasy football. And how did I do that? Of course, I was talking metaphysically with players. What players do that? Players that can put up crooked numbers, right? So we're not talking about quarterbacks specifically here. I think we all know who they are. We're going to talk about position, wide receiver, running back, tight end. So in my mind, a hammer was a player that can win any week, basically. If not as on his own, you know the weeks that I'm talking about, though. Like, say you have, a, for example, Keenan Allen. 60 point week. Good chance you're going to win that week. Alvin Kamara, 50 something point week in the playoffs a few years ago. You're going to win that week. That's what to me is a hammer. Now, it's not a player that does it once and never does it again. That's something 
house. It's someone that has to have a little utility, like a real hammer. It has to be someone that can do this on a, if not a frequent basis, they can do it on a semi-frequently basis. Players like Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, you know, you're not shocked when they go, oh, they had a 45 point week. It's in the range of outcomes of what they can do. They've done it before. So basically, it's someone that's a high producer and or someone that has a ton of trade value. And in the game that we play today, where much of the value is derived from the production anymore, uh, those things are quickly um, intersecting and merging into one. Yeah, so this show, you're not going to find us talk about guys like Adam Thielen or Alvin Kamara, where we're like, wow, their production is really out pursuing their value or their market value. And and that's just because a lot of people already know those guys. I mean, I, w- I can count on two hands the number of times in the last couple of weeks I've heard people saying, hey, go buy Adam Thielen in Dynasty. He's cheap, except for the person that has him. Immediately when you go try to buy players like that, it's like, yeah, he's probably known as maybe not a hammer, but valued in a range where you immediately go, yeah, I probably shouldn't buy that because I know better and this isn't the time to chase it. So we're not trying to define, okay, who are the best buys that are going to give you the most production? We are trying to match up who are the guys that you can buy that are going to be expensive, but can give you difference-making production. So however you want to define that, it's hard to say it's this many points per game or it's this many touches. It's got to be relative to your league. And obviously you have to have some sort of roster construction ideas when you're doing this. You know, don't buy a running back when you don't need one, et cetera. But you're looking for, probably for me, when you said define a hammer, it's probably a player that I would say is a top 50 dynasty asset overall and has the potential to produce what I would call not even difference-making production, but somebody where you go, all right, he's not full of the, as Ray likes to call it, the ADV or the artificial dynasty value. When I hear the name, it's not, okay, well, yeah, I have to put that guy in the top 50 just because of what he's done in the past or his profile, like legitimately the production is backing it up. And I'm rather buy him over some of the other really good players in the same tier, assuming that the price is very similar. So we'll see. We'll talk about our hammer examples and everyone can kind of think about, all right, how does it fit into my own? Now let's focus on the the balloon mallets, the opposite end, whatever you want to define it as. I still we think we have kind of a working definition of what that actually is. But the the fake hammers, we could call it that as well, Shane. Who are those players? What are you looking to define those players as when it comes to this list? The fake ones, the fake alphas, the fake hammers. Who are those? It kind of feels like you know it when someone asks you. When someone asked us, is Sam Laporta a hammer on the stream two weeks ago? No, he's a, he's a very good player and he's having a nice rookie season, but he hasn't elevated himself to the, the level of hammer. If someone were to try to tell you that TJ Hawkinson is a hammer, I don't believe he's a hammer even at the tight end position because there's two of them. There's Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews. A wide receiver one, but they're putting up wide receiver 12 numbers. Like, that's a good player, you know what I mean? But that's not a hammer. What that is 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 someone giving you a low-end wide receiver one production. Michael Pittman in the earlier part of the year, you know, up until these last couple weeks, was putting up wide receiver one production. But he's not something that you would ever label as a hammer. There was no point during, you know, during a run where you felt like, okay, this is sustained. He's now in that Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, A.J. Brown discussion. He's a low-end wide receiver one. He's not someone that's ever really going to be a hammer and actually make it to that ceiling. So let's start, because I do have a big picture question for you, but I'm going to hold off until we start talking about our individual players. So let's start with your first hammer. I think we haven't really defined what we would be willing to pay, but I would tend to think that if you've identified a player as a hammer, 
you are willing to pay the market price to get them. You are willing to kind of go and meet the person at what they probably want to sell this player for, which is difficult. When you're talking about buying players that are in this range, you go try to buy AJ Brown. Like, you know, you're not buying at a discount. Like the idea of I'm going to buy low when a player's not performing or when they have a bad game, like you can try, but when you're talking players at this caliber or in this range, you're probably going, all right, the discount is I can actually get somebody to sell them, but I still need to pony up. So who's your first one? Who is your first hammer? Look, and again, I'm not trying to spit any hot takes, so it's not going to be someone that's surprising. I'll, and this isn't my ranked first ranked hammer, but it's AJ Brown. I mean, I was gushing all over him, basically get uh, slobbering all over him on the Tuesday stream, talking about five straight weeks. He's got you know 125 receiving yards in a row. Blah blah blah. blah. Either way, so last year he was the wide receiver eight. This year, he's the wide receiver five. Like at this point, he's moved into hammer territory, right? I know some people might think maybe a year and a half is not enough a sustained run to do that, considering that when he was in Tennessee, he put up good numbers, right? But he didn't particularly put up super elite numbers, although he did in 2020. He was wide receiver six, but up and down. But at this point, he's someone that I would I would say is a wide receiver. One is a hammer because he is one of those guys that can drop 40 points on you, 35 points on you, and can do it on a semi-frequently, a semi-frequent basis. And then he also does still have the trade value, obviously, as you'll know if you've tried to trade for him. Yeah, overall, player number 10 on keep trade cut, that does include quarterbacks. So he is the fourth highest valued non-quarterback right now in Superflex. So definitely valued as a hammer. I mean, if you sort by wide receiver production for the year, he's in that gold range of players that are above 30% market share for the season. There are only eight players in the league that hit that number. Um, all of them, probably other than Puka Nakua, would be ones you came into the year and said, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if you see that guy on the na- on the list. Tyreek, Diggs, Chase, Garrett Wilson, Keenan Allen, Devontae Adams, AJ Brown's on there. And then, of course, Puka Nakua, who everybody saw coming. So it, from definition, he hits both. And then his fantasy production is there as well. He's a top five receiver in terms of production. He's one of nine receivers that's averaging more than 20 points per game. So everything you checked is the case. And so I think the the application of A.J. Brown as a hammer is you are willing to take any of these other receivers, probably minus Chase and Jefferson, and go, I'm willing to pay up on top of them to get A.J. Brown, correct? So let's just make it actionable, Shane. So you are seeking to go buy A.J. Brown the hammer, and fade another player that is in a similar range that is maybe valued a little bit lower, but you're looking at their production and you say, okay, C.D. Lamb, he is averaging six points per game less than A.J. Brown. Amon Ross St. Brown, he's averaging a point and a half less per game than A.J. Brown. What's the delta there? Like, Because this is your feet to the fire. You have C.D. Lamb. Are you adding a 25 first to go get A.J. Brown? Yes. That's the kind of move I think is would be defining hammer versus very good player that has very high dynasty value. What's funny about that is I wouldn't do the same with Amon Ross St. Brown. I think Amon Ross St. Brown is actually better than C.D. Lamb uh, fantasy-wise. But if someone were like, we, give me a 25-second when I'm on, I'm on St. Ross, Jesus, A-R-S-P for uh, A.J. Brown, I would do that. But no, I'll, I'll add it first to CD Lane. Garrett Wilson. Yes. I mean, that's the line. For me, that is a very much, you have one shot to make that deal. You make that deal and you're wrong, you can't go back. That's the kind of deal where you go, is this the best place for me to spend 
my 25 first paying for an upgrade in a range where before the year I would have called these players in a very similar tier. It's exact where I want right. to spend my and, pick. And, and if you say yes, and you say, I'm going for it, you've, you've admitted that you're just going to live with that result, whatever the difference between the two players is. And it is fluid because, you know, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, I'll add him in, in there. He's in the same mix as Garrett Wilson. These are both guys that at this point I would have thought would be in the hammer range. Didn't work out that way because of different circumstances. You know what I mean? But that it is what it is. That's the reality of it. Before the season, I, I would have said, you're crazy. You think I'm adding a first to either of those dudes for AJ Brown now, especially in a contending team. I'm not even thinking twice to do it. I'm picking up eight points a game, eight points a game. I, you know, the, that's hard to make up in a uh, fantasy. For me, it's probably, if I had to say right now, what do I think I can get done on the market? It's maybe a little harder this week, but I already mentioned Puka Nakua being in that range with the other seven guys that have all been historically studs. And he's right there. If you took the name Puka Nakua away and you took the fact that he was drafted where he was drafted away and you plugged in any other name that we liked, if you plugged in Jackson Smith and Jigba or Jordan Addison or Zay Flowers, and all those guys are pretty good, but you plugged one of those names into where he's at right now, he would be up in the... He, he would exceed where Chris Alave, Drake London, and Garrett Wilson were last year. Remember how excited people were when those guys started to produce last year. He would exceed all of that by tenfold. He, he would already be considered easily wide receiver three or four in Dynasty to the point where you could get almost anything if you had him and you were willing to move him around. So I think he's there. Uh, he is one of nine that's averaging 20 points per game. He's literally up there with every other name that I mentioned, not just in a target share perspective. Uh, the targets per route run is up there as well. I mean, he Literally, if you took away the name, you'd go, damn, that guy looks really good. If you ask somebody that knows nothing about football, pick out the names based on these metrics, they would pick him out pretty much in the same breath as all of the other players that you're talking about. Now, he's wide receiver 10 on Keep Trade Cut. I have shopped around a little bit and trying to get another Puka Nakua share or two. And I've been trying to do Chris Olave, which hasn't worked just because maybe, you know, the people, the people's feeling on the Saints right now, his arrest, like just it's not, people are not like, oh, let me add to Puka Nakua to get Chris Olave. You know what I mean? They're, they're good. They'd rather have Nakua. They want you to go the other way. So he's my hammer, but I'm going to ask you again, that's Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave specifically. Okay. Are you adding to either one of those to get Puka right now? Knowing that you have to buy out the person with Puka, you need to buy out a little bit of their their ego, knowing they hold the guy you want, but you're still giving them a really, really strong young receiver that has already done not what Puka has, but he's done enough to where you're like, I'm pretty confident these guys are where they are for the next couple of years. So here's the thing, right? And especially at their season, what do I do? I go to Stathead and I start running numbers and go, this is what every wide receiver in this cohort has ever done the rest of their career. This is what, the, this is the list. And that's what I kept doing with Alave and Wilson, right? And both of them were at the bottom of that list. Not, not, not to speak badly of them. They were just very in a, at the bottom of that, that elite list where their outcomes could be anywhere from DJ Moore to Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, right? Puka, even if he drops off, like the dude could score five fewer points a game for the rest of the season and get down to 15 points a game. He'd still be in a significantly higher tier based on his, his uh, production comps. I think, and it, it's really paining me to say this, but I think, yes, you should add. Now, not significantly, but it's okay to add the Lava and Wilson to get Puka Nakoa. I mean, the guy scoring 20 points a game. Obviously, we, we don't think that's going to maintain, but even if he only 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 scores 15 points a game, 
he would have still outscored the Alave and Wilson by about three and four points a game, which is a major difference. And again, this is as a rookie and we're looking at what have rookies that have done that in the past, what do they look like going forward? And what they look like going forward is absolute monsters, Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. Like there's only a few wide receivers in that, that range. So how would you rather buy Puka? Would you rather give up CD lamb for Puka in a second, or you give up Brandon Ayuk in a first for Puka Nakua? Which way would you rather go? Actually, I think I'd rather give up the second and Lamb than Ayuk in the first. That's the angle that I thought of when I thought of Puka, is you're not getting him by giving up anything below him or in his range and trying to get a plus based on the name. That's what I was trying to do. I was trying to get like Puka in a second for Alave, Puka in a second for Garrett right. Wilson. People saw right through that. I think you probably have to go from above him. Amon Ross St. Brown for Puka in a second. Would you take Puka in the second? Or Amon Ross St. Brown? Yep. Let me try to speak English. Yeah, I would take Puka in a second. So you would take Puka in a second for C.D. Lamb? Okay, so right there, if you have those two, you're looking, all right, I can be willing to kind of tear down or at least try the tear down based on current market value and see if you can get a small piece. And you can't get greedy. You can't be like, even if they say, I'll give you a third, kind of have to go, all right, if we're defining what he is as a hammer, he's equal or above those guys. Now, if you don't think it can continue and you're like, I'm not betting on it going forward, that's one thing. But what we're saying is that what he's showing right now, even if he falls back a little bit or has a couple bad games, like if you were high on Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson last year, you have to be even higher on Puka right now. And I think he's actually just as attainable. Right. But you also have players in a similar value range that are different positional. Gibbs, that's who I traded yesterday straight up for puka i i like gibbs i like Bijan. hell i like a lot of running backs but if you give me the chance to get a similarly tiered production value wise type player at a wide receiver i will do that 10 times out of 10 i will get out of the running back and go straight to the wide receiver devin a chain if i can move devin a chain for puka nakua i would do it things like that I like that. I like the cross-positional trade because as soon as you start sending out offers where you're trying to give a receiver for a receiver plus or you give us a plus and a receiver for another receiver, it's very easy to spot what you're trying to do there. So I do like the cross-positional trade, but as soon as you're trying to move a guy like Gibbs for a high-end player, it becomes difficult. So I like that. I think that is the way to go about it is to move from quarterback or move from running back especially if you can get credit and try to get Puka that way. So we've each named a hammer. Any others you want to mention before we go to the the fake hammers or the uh, the, the rubber mallets or whatever we want to call it? I'll just, I'll just start. It's not an extensive list, right? I, I, I used to joke all the time. There's six players that matter in fantasy football outside of the quarterbacks, right? So honestly, it's Tyree Kill, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, A.J. Brown. I, you've convinced me on Puka Nakua. <laughs> um, Christian McCaffrey? Christian McCaffrey, because of the outsized production, yes. Eckler, if he didn't get injured and stayed on that same trajectory this year, it'd still be in that hammer that hammer range for me. But yeah, Christian McCaffrey, Travis Kelsey, again, the, the just outsized production. Mark Andrews, because of the production age and trade capital. Steph Diggs? No, and he's close. I'll say this, and it's mostly just he can give you those spike games because he's done that. He's not particularly old. I think the trade value is a little less than even Tyree Kill, who's 
well, he feels like he's all significantly older. They're but actually the same age. How can you list Christian McCaffrey but not Steph Diggs? Because Christian McCaffrey also we're comparing positions, right? What's harder to get, you know, a 44, 40, 30, 40 point game out of a running back or a wide receiver? Fair. It's probably the running back. You know, there's a select few of guys that can do that. And yes, I know every once in a while, a rando like Zach Moss will get in there. But just from a production level, we've seen Christian McCaffrey puts up quarterback one numbers at running back. That, that's just absurd. So real quick, so everyone follows, you're talking about McCaffrey and Tyreek Hill. Those two are the, the veterans that are yeah. basically, you are saying you are willing to get either one of those guys. You are willing to pretty much give up any dynasty assets, period, Yeah. to get those yeah. two. Yeah. Aside from the other young guys that are also on this list, you have no problem. Right. You have no problem throwing in a Brees Hall plus to get a Tyreek Hill. Especially, again, I'm moving off position from running back. I, I, I'd, I'd be happy as hell to do that. And, you know, and that's, I, I don't want to get into the whole discussion on running backs. It's a whole other thing. But no, yeah, that, that's a deal I would make. Yes. Assuming that Tyreek Hill's hip injury isn't too severe. Yeah. I mean, but, and that's kind of why this, we did this show was to identify those players where you go, all right, I can temporarily abandon any sort of future dynasty principle to get the rest of the season production for this guy. And I will just say, you need to be calculated when you make that move, but there's really only probably two veterans and you could probably throw Kelsey in there just for the positional mm -hmm. advantage. But those are the three players where you go, I can almost abandon any sort of dynasty valuation principles and say McCaffrey, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. There isn't a price too high to get those guys. It's really what can you stomach and you can get them in every league you want. I guarantee if you come to people and you're offering players like CD Lamb or Chris Alave or Garrett Wilson or Brees Hall, you're you're kind of probably bailing the person out a little bit. Like, man, you're offering me Brees Hall for this guy. You like, I gotta consider that, even if they're contending. Someone offers you Brees Hall for Tyree Kill, they're gonna go. All right, I at least need to not turn it down and walk away. They have to at least look at the offer. You know what I mean? Yep. And you know, a good a good descriptor of this. The more we think about it, the more we talk about it. Someone you're willing to fuck up your process over, where you go. This is not a good process deal. This is not a good process deal at all. I should not be adding a, a 25, 24 first to a young wide receiver that's a top 15 wide receiver. Let's just say Brandon Ayuk to move up to AJ Brown. That's not good process. And like Scott was saying, you have to be, I, I forget what you said exactly. You can't do this all the time, obviously, right? So that's why it's important to remember also, there's not a plethora of hammers out there. There's literally like nine or 10 players that this, that you should go, yeah, I'll do that for them. And it's not guys like Drake London. You know what I mean? It's not guys, even if he rips off 15 points a uh, week, it's not unfortunately even guys like Diggs, who I think is close, but not there. It's a very select few amount of players that I'm willing to go, fuck my process. I need these dudes on my team because these are the types of players. If I just have two of them on my roster, I can win a week regardless of what everyone else does. My last question for you. This is going to be a tough one because I think this is one that we're going to have to answer here in a couple months, Shane. Season is almost over. You're at, let's say you're out of the playoffs. It's week 17. Sucks. Mm. You didn't make the championship. Okay. Are you still willing to go buy Tyreek Hill and Christian McCaffrey going into the offseason at this price? Not at the peak price that they cost right now, but right. it is it is week 18. The fantasy season is over. Chris Alave finished wide receiver 20 on the season. Are you willing to give Chris Alave for Tyreek Hill at that point and bet on it next year? Just straight up? Straight up. Season's over. 
consider and, and I'm assuming they they've gone on to their respective trajectories from this year, even if Tyreek Hill slows down a little bit and doesn't go for two thousand. Tyreek was the wide receiver one, but the season is over. Chris Olave may be disappointed a little bit, but he's still considered a top twelve dynasty receiver. You kind of expect him to stay the same or get a little bit better next year. But are you willing to make that move? at let's assume it's a 30% cheaper cost. Because obviously when the season's over, a lot of people are going to go, man, I'd love to ride Christian McCaffrey or Tyreek Hill to a title and then still cash out at top 12 receiver price at the end of the year. That's having your cake and eating it too. That might be the window though if you don't want to sit here and go, damn, should I really trade CeeDee Lamb Plus for Tyreek Hill? Like Maybe the time is to do it when everybody else is going, I'm getting out. Are you willing to do that or is it still really tough in that process? It's going to be roster construction Dependent. I'm going to lean no. I'm going to lean no. Just put that out there, right? But if I have a roster that's built where it's not significantly or terribly old at the wide receiver position, I don't have a lot of players that are going to age out. You know what I mean? You don't want Tyreek, Diggs, and McCaffrey on the same team in the offseason, right? That's probably a bad move. Well, I mean, if it's specifically those three, I think I could live with it. But if it's Tyreek, DeAndre Hopkins, and Amari Cooper, you know, then it's a little different story. Well, if you uh, already have. Tyreek and McCaffrey and you're holding, let's just say Garrett Wilson, Like you're not actively going, let me go pivot the Garrett Wilson to Stefan Diggs trade, right? You're like, you're not looking to do that or even insert Tyreek into that. You're, you're looking to do it on a roster where you go, I know next year I'm going to enter with a younger, fairly insulated team. Like that might be the situation you do it. Yeah. Yeah. So like a perfect situation and some folks are some folks. Jesus. Uh, some people are going to have it is they, they're going to, they, maybe they have a Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, something like that. Or, you know, whoever we look at at the end of this year, like we looked at those two, maybe it's JSN and maybe it is uh, Jordan Addison. You know what I mean? And maybe you go, you know what? I'm going to take a shot on um, sending one of these two dudes away for Tyreek Hill because I have, and like you said, insulation, I have another young wide receiver. There's no reason for me to place all my bets on these two wide receivers, kind of like a, a lot of people might have done with Wilson and Alave this year. And again, the year's not over, but we're just assuming current trajectories. These guys that are the older veteran hammers, especially, I mean, obviously, if you can go buy Jamar Chase, then it's not going to be a bad dynasty bet to just get him whatever you got to pay. And you know you're going to get the residual value when he gets to the offseason. He's still going to be valued where he is. So you don't really have any risk of buying an asset that's going to lose a bunch of value or lose a lot of demand on the market. For me, I probably am fine with just getting a certain amount of exposure to these guys. And especially if you really think it's the difference between you winning a title and not, I'm okay carrying 10% exposure of these guys going into the offseason. I don't mind if I have six or seven Tyree Kill shares. I don't mind if I have a couple McCaffreys. You know, normally I'd be like, man, I don't want any running backs in the offseason. But I think you have to make some exceptions and you have to be willing to go, all right, there's going to be another window. But also understand that if you're holding somebody like McCaffrey through the offseason, you're accepting that you're kind of going to have to build your roster similarly next year around him. So the moves you shouldn't be focusing on are, man, I got to dump McCaffrey after this year. It should be, how can I reform the roster around him so that I go into next year with, okay, I'm ready for McCaffrey to put up 22 points per game. And if he doesn't, He doesn't, but I've insulated the rest of my team around him 
to make up for the fact that I'm holding him through the offseason. So good episode, Shane. Hammers and rubber mallets, I guess we're going to call it. We got to come up with a better term than that. Maybe we'll think of one before. Uh, I think it's the next really, stream. no, it's really catchy. Non vulcanized rubber mallets. Yeah, that one's not going to work. Anyway, good luck week eight with everybody. Stay tuned for our AMA that we do every Saturday night in the Discord, destinationdevy.com. You can sign up for it there. Check it out. And if you do join the Trades in Five tier on there or the Destination Five tier on the website, uh, you will get access to the bonus content that we do on the Discord pod feed. So check that out as well. Good luck week eight, everybody. And Mannequin Show will be back week nine.